Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. FWP, where we are seeking truth and finding God's heart. I'm your host, Lois McNair, and with me is my co-host, Emily Lewis. And we are in Bourbon, Missouri. Can you believe it? It's been, my cup is so full and my energy is so low. (laughs) My cup is full and my brain is fried. (laughs) It's like scrambled eggs. And bacon, because bacon, I love bacon, so that's like the highlight. And then my brain is like scrambled eggs. (laughs) Your brain is fried and scrambled? It is. It is. See, and you can tell by the things that I'm using as an analogy to describe myself right now. (laughs) But we're um, in Bourbon, Missouri. Missouri. I can't say Missouri. (laughs) Missouri. Yeah. Um, at the RFP meetup, and it's just been phenomenal. And to be with people and their stories and and just fellowship together and just walk with each other and encourage each other and all the all the things, but but in truth, like all the things. Mm-hmm. So and today we have with us April Deary, and I'm so excited because we've been chatting a hot minute about this interview. So welcome. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So normally on our sister seeker short stories, we, uh, each share a story and (laughs) it's not my turn. It's your turn, Emily. (laughs) So, okay. So I'm stubborn a little bit. What? What did you say? Can you move a little closer to the microphone? (laughs) You want this on record? Yeah. Can you move a little closer to the microphone? I'm stubborn, Uh and I've decided I have written off cardigans because... Wait, cardigans? Cardigans. Not like backyardigans? Like the kids... (laughs) Cardigans? Cardigans as in sweaters? Yes. But I love sweaters. Like the really square ones with like buttons down the front. Oh, that kind of cardigan. So Like librarians wear? Yeah, well, <laughs> not all of us wear them like that. <laughs> Mine don't have buttons. I don't believe in those. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, by the way, April's a librarian. <laughs> Best job ever. Oh, I love it. But anyway, I've, I've been freezing in the AC mm-hmm. because, I don't know, I wouldn't bring my cardigans with me. Yeah, me neither. Left them all at home. So you were just too stubborn to bring your sweater because it triggers you this specific type of sweater. Yeah. Why does it? Why? Oh, because it like hides your shape and it's just. Oh, so you had and... to wear those before? Well, I don't think I had to, but it was the standard. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like Did you layers. button it? Yeah. Fourteen layers. Did you button it up all the way? No. Brian Edwards would have. <laughs> if you know, you know. If yeah. you don't know, I can't help you. I love that you brought Brian into that. We always have to bring Brian in. Speaking of Brian, you guys did, you finally did your dad joke face off. Yes, 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 we did. Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now, 
you were awesome. You cracked me up. It was wonderful. I was so proud to be your sister. <laughs> but Brian is stone cold, man. He is awful. And I want to go on record saying I didn't laugh at a single one of his jokes. You didn't laugh at his jokes. You laughed jokes. at yours. I laughed at yours. And that's why I lost. You lost because you couldn't keep a straight face in your own jokes. No. But you did. He told me later that... Um, he had to fight really hard not to completely lose it on your last dad jokes about the alphabet soup. And we're, we're not going to tell you guys what that was. <laughs> I think he said he almost laughed because I was cracking myself up so much. So True. True. Anyway, cardigans, dad jokes. Oh, this or that. Are you ready to play this or that, April? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. This or that. We should have music leading up to our this or that. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. Maybe somebody... Is there a jingle out there that says this or that? This <laughs> or that? You just did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, April, would you pack light or would you overpack? Pack light. Um, desert or mountain? Mountain. Lunch in a restaurant or picnic in the park? A uh, picnic in the park. Summer holiday or winter holiday? Summer. Coffee shops or restaurants? Restaurants. Rooftop views or street views? Uh, rooftop. Relaxing or exploring? Oh, that's mm. hard. <laughs> it depends. I guess I'll say exploring. Can you say, mm. can you say, rexploring, like resting and exploring at the Rest-ploring. same time? Exploring. Rest. Rest exploring. Rest exploring. <laughs> Scrambled eggs. <laughs> uh, wake up early or sleep in? Sleep in. Uh, museums in sight or shopping and coffee? Mm. Shopping and coffee. Oh, really? Okay. Use a map or walk aimlessly? Use a map. Mm. Uh, public transportation or rent a car? Rent a car. Hiking or suntanning? Hiking. <laughs> like I'm not, not allowed to suntan. Not allowed to do that. Oh gosh, right. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot of sun through a turtleneck and a pair of culottes. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> See, clearly, we think we're hilarious. Yes, we laugh at each other pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, tropical destination or Northern Lights? Hmm. That's I'm going to have to go with tropical because Hawaii is like my dream vacation. Mm-hmm. Or day. you could come down and visit me because I'm 15 minutes north of the... Okay, last one. Bungee jumping or scuba diving? Bungee jumping. Oh, oh there was like zero hesitation. <laughs> I've done it. I've actually done it. Okay, you have to tell us that about the bungee jumping. Long before I was IFB, um, I was in public school. I was a bus kid, so I got to experience the things. And we took a eighth grade trip to the mountains in North Carolina and uh, got to go on a 50-foot swing. And all of my classmates got to take a turn. So the first time I did it, I screamed because obviously I'm like, whoa, this is really high up in the air. The second time I was just like, okay, this is cool. No big deal. It was super fun. That's on my bucket list. It's fun. You should do it. I should. Make it happen. Make it happen. Mm -hmm. So today we would love to hear your story and 
So let's start with, you can just give us an overview, whatever you feel like sharing about who you are and um, you and your husband and where you're at Yeah. to start yeah. us out. So we found the RFP about a year ago um, because of the Phil Kid episode, which was pretty cool. Um, and it pretty much is what led us out of the IFB was um, that and mixed with COVID. And uh, I have two autoimmune diseases, or some people say it's one. Um, I was born with hypothyroidism, and um, it's it's triggered a lot of other things. They think the doctors don't really necessarily know for sure. But um, I was born with hypothyroidism, which basically means that your thyroid doesn't make enough uh, hormones to um, supplement your body. It has to, a lot to do with your digestive, your sleep patterns, things like that. Um, it can also make you have... Uh, at least in my case, it's made me have smaller organs. Like my thyroid is tiny. Um, mm. I just had a thyroid ultrasound a couple weeks ago um, just to see if there was anything wrong because I've been having a lot of issues with my medication lately. Mm. Um, but they found there was a few cysts, but nothing to worry about, thankfully. So that could turn into something that could turn into another autoimmune disease, which is Hashimoto's. Mm. Um, but... Um, I'll give a little bit of my backstory. Um, I don't know for sure a lot of what I say is just from what I've heard other people say from their experience with thyroid problems and uh, other issues. Um, but I, since I was born with that, um, it could be, I don't know for sure, but it could be that whenever my mom was pregnant with me, my dad was very abusive to her. Mm. I don't know if anything happened. I've never asked her about it, and that's not something I want to make her dive into mm. but um it could be that something happened and I would never blame her it's not her fault but um it could be that the reason I have all these problems is that or it could be hereditary I just found out my grandmother has hypothyroidism and wasn't diagnosed for years and years so mm. it could be that um but it's also caused other problems and they I've heard it said that uh when you have autoimmune disease, it triggers others, mm -hmm. and it, a lot of people say you have three. And I've got the hypo, which isn't technically autoimmune, but it can turn into that. That's why I said what I said earlier, but it can turn into the Hashimoto's. Um, and then as I grew up, my dad and mom were still married until I was nine, and um, he was very, very abusive to my mother. Mm. And I'd often hide away from it and I didn't get the brunt of it thankfully I just would hide in my room and uh, I, I'd like to say that maybe because of that uh, the fact that I was born it got my mom the courage to uh, get away from mm -hmm. him because she started saving up money in a secret bank account and she told me you know this is what it's for and I wow. knew and I mean when you're a kid you just you know when something's wrong and I always knew that something was going to change or at least I hoped can so, I ask you this real quick like mm -hmm. you said that you would hide what what was that like knowing what was going on like even as a child at this age like what was going through your head and your heart and your mind when your mom's being abused by this person who's supposed to be a loving mm -hmm. dad I I guess I kind of thought until I got in school I kind of thought that was just the norm 
Mm-hmm. And he, the thing that would be the cause of the fights is that he would go get drunk and then he would lie to my mom about it when very clearly it was very obvious that he was lying. And it, to me, I knew that he was lying and I knew that I couldn't trust him. And so anytime he ever like was sober and he punished me for something I did, which I deserved to be punished for, um, I didn't take it seriously. I was mm-hmm. like, why, why should he be punishing me? When he's out here getting drunk, running into cops, uh, literally backing into a cop uh, because he was too drunk to notice he was behind him. Um, And just all the things that he did, went to jail a few times. I'm like, I know this is just, this isn't right. And I knew it. And I just hid away because I knew that my mom wanted to protect me and there wasn't much I could do. I tried to defend her sometimes. He locked her outside one time in the middle of winter. And so little, I think I was five, little five-year-old me started like, like kicking and punching, like let her back in. And eventually I think I was able to unlock the back door and let her back in. So I always knew, I mean, like I said, kids just know, they just Mm -hmm. have that instinct where they just know Mm -hmm. that something's not right. Especially when they get around their school friends, they know that it's not okay. But that's how you realize, like, okay, and your mom mm-hmm. was saving a, so mm-hmm. you were always aware of it. Mm-hmm. And but I think, and this is something I've heard, um, I know that it's not necessarily part of the RFP network, but I've listened to a lot of Preacher Boys and podcasts and a lot of experiences on there. And there was a person on there that talked about, uh, they, I think they said they have Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. And they said that possibly a lot of that, um, a lot of autoimmune diseases are triggered by trauma, yeah. which I had that with my dad growing up. They were not um, IFB. They were not in church. My mom grew up in a very legalistic uh, Pentecostal church with her parents. Mm-hmm. And my dad, I'm not really entirely sure about him. I don't know a whole lot about his background. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I forgot where I was going with that. Um I interrupted you and asked you a question. So <laughs> okay. we, we're going back to what mm-hmm. you, where where you were in your story. Mm-hmm. Your mom was saving up mm-hmm. money, and she told you, "I'm saving up money. This is what this is for." Then mm-hmm. what's the next step? Uh, well, we were able to get away. Um, I remember one day, uh, my dad was either he had left or he went to the bathroom or something, and mom said, "Let's go." And we just left. We got in our truck and we just drove off to a hotel a couple towns away where he couldn't find us. And we just hid out for a few days, moved in with my best friend. My mom was best friends with the mom. I was best friends with the daughter. Mm -hmm. Moved in with them for a few months until finally uh, he left our house. I don't know all that was going on with my mom in the background with the courts and all that. But pretty much she got him to leave and then we moved back in and changed the locks. So that's how we got out. And... uh, I'm grateful to her every day for that. I say that she's my hero for that. She said yeah. that if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for us getting out, he probably would have ended up killing us mm. somehow because he was so, he would go off on his violent fits when he was drunk and he didn't even remember doing it. Mm. So mm. my poor Sheesh. mom got the brunt of it mm-hmm. more than I did, but yeah. Yeah. So that's your, um, that's like part of your story from home. And like mm-hmm. you were saying, that trauma can trigger some of the health things, mm-hmm. the health challenges yeah. that you've walked through. 
Right. I don't have uh, Crohn's disease. It's a little more well-known, a little more common, but it often gets lumped with ulcerative colitis, which is what I have. Um, I discovered that uh, five months before I got married. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. awful. It's like, I'm about to get married for, for five months from now, and I'm going to die because I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what I think triggered that. But I'll have to back up before that. Um, when I was 15, uh, this was after my parents divorced. Um, I was nine years old when they divorced, finally. Um, but when I was about 14 or 15, I went to the doctor, and my mom kept saying to my pediatrician, she kept saying, you know, why hasn't April started her her menstrual cycle? This is not normal, because I was almost pushing, I guess I was, maybe I was 16, I don't know, but I was up in years, you know, where I should have started. Mom's like, all oh, me and all her sisters, we all started at normal ages. What's mm-hmm. wrong with her? The doctor kept putting it off every year saying, oh, she's a late bloomer, she's a late bloomer. And my mom's like, look at her. She's 15, 16 years old, and she looks like she's 10. And Mm. I really did look young. I show pictures of myself to people when I was that age, and they're like, oh, you look like you're in, like, second grade. I'm like, "Mm, no. I was in high school, but thanks. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So... But anyway, um, my doctor finally said, okay, we'll, we'll get some tests done and we'll figure out what's going on. So they took an x-ray of my hand, which I know podcasters or people listening can't see this, but there's a bone in your hand somewhere around here where it fuses together once you've, like, I guess, stopped growing and once you've hit your maturity mm-hmm. height and weight and all that, or height. And um, so they said that that bone was not even close to being fused together and that it was three years behind. Hmm. And um, so I'm like, okay, so I'm like 16. I got the bones of a 13-year-old. That's kind of weird. And then they kept doing more tests, and I didn't understand. Like, I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't have to deal with having a cycle every month. That's cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all my girl, you know, all my friends at school, you know, they're like, oh, this is awful. And I'm like, sorry, you have to deal with that. I don't. <laughs> but um, right. my, my mom said, well, no, this is important. You need to get this taken care of. So they finally did an ultrasound. They were like showing me different things and they didn't really exactly say what they were looking for. I didn't understand. But then a couple weeks later, they called my mom and told me, uh, my mom that I had been born without ovaries. And they said that my uterus was extremely small mm-hmm. and just like my thyroid is, which I didn't know until a few weeks ago. But they said that it's pretty rare. I've actually never met anybody else like that. So I always, whenever I hear women that say, oh, I can't have kids, you know, I'm like, well, hey, I get it because I really it's not just an incompatibility like some people it's you know their their spouse or whatever they can't mm-hmm. work together but for me it's just me and it bothered my mother more than it did me because I'm an only child so that means that my mom who absolutely loves kids and mm-hmm. had a lot of brothers and sisters well one brother and some sisters and helped kind of take care of them when she was growing up she would never have a grandkid mm. because you know so that was, and that's you know that's a dream knowing that mm-hmm. we just uh, recently had Marlo, mm-hmm. twenty eight weeks. You know I can see um, how that would be hard on your mom. Yeah, that was the hardest part for me um, was my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at yeah. this point I was in an IFB church. I started going when I was thirteen, 
Um, actually, you were a best kid. I was right? a best yeah. kid. Yeah, okay. I got picked up when I was nine with uh, when I stayed the night with one of my friends, which was the first time I ever got to do that because. Though my dad was not IFB, he was very controlling, and he always wanted me there at the house. He would never let me go anywhere. So I stayed the uh, night with one of my friends, and we went to this church, and that's where I got saved when I was nine. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I didn't go back there again because I didn't stay a lot with her. Um, But then at 13, that's whenever I got invited to a vacation Bible school uh, by my stepdad's nieces and nephews so my cousins my step cousins and that's what got me in church and uh, got I got a family in the church kind of Mm. sort of distantly related to me they're like my step like fourth fifth cousins removed I don't know what they are (laughs) but the whole family that was a mom dad uh, son and daughter they kind of took me under their wing and I rode the bus and I wasn't like a typical bus kid that just rides a bus and the family just kind of visits them and whatever they were actually involved in my life Mm. and I will always be grateful to them for that. They actually left the IFB movement years ago, and which was hurtful to me, but I get it now. Mm. And since then, mm. I'm like, okay, guys, you were right. Oh, yeah, I get it now. So, um, But that's what led me to church. So this, this diagnosis, you know, being born without ovaries, knowing you wouldn't... Um, have children Mm -hmm. um and yet you're in an ifb church Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of where you were starting to make that connection yeah it was i didn't really tell anybody at first because i had always heard preached you know women are to have children and and barefoot and pregnant well not necessarily that but a lot of times and for me that was already hard to listen to because i guess because my hormones were so messed up um, I wasn't getting the proper hormones all those years until I was 16 and they put me on some things to fix that. So when I was a little kid, most of my friends would have their little baby dolls and they'd be carrying them around saying, this is my, my baby doll. This is my baby. I'm taking care of it. And I'm over there like playing like with like many, like those little power wheels toys mm-hmm. and my bike and playing with my super Nintendo. I wasn't into all that. I had Barbie dolls, but not, they weren't like my children. And I never had that instinct, and a lot of people don't believe me when I say that, but I really didn't because I think I think that God makes us with the hormones we need to be want to be mothers and to want that experience. Because I've heard it said, I don't know this personally, but I've heard it said that once a woman has a child, she has, like I guess, hormones that make her want to have another kid or makes them want to be a mother. Even if they were terrified of being a mother, once they have a kid, they're they're totally fine with it. But I don't know that personally. So, but you didn't you didn't physically grow up and with with the proper amount of hormones in right. your system and mm-hmm. not knowing that you didn't have ovaries at the time, and then everything mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. yeah it it um, it messes. So you did up. you feel pressure? It, I think you had mentioned this before, and that's the only reason I brought up because it, I guess it could be in any church. But did you feel pressure in the IFB church that you were attending? That thought process of um, 
did it affect what you thought your your worth was like because you already knew in your mind you were not going to be able to have children oh yeah it, it really messed with me when I found out because not only was my mom finding out the hardest part that was the hardest but the next thing that was the hardest was look how messed up you are like you've got all these health problems why would any man ever want to marry you why mm. would you want why would you even be mm. worth anything because you can't have children and that's like a big thing in the IFB you was can't this your own internal conversation yeah but it was heavily influenced by mm. the church and that makes me mad not that not that my home church was meaningfully <clears throat> malicious I do have sure. a lot of respect for them there still because that's where I got saved and baptized sure. and all of that so I don't mean to disrespect them at all because they've been nothing but kind but I think some of the things they taught they didn't realize how hard that was for me mm. to stomach that so I often would be like I think the first few weeks after I found out I would like often have a hard time sleeping because mm. I just was so upset and there I am with my thoughts and by yourself yeah nobody else has walked through this yeah. and you don't feel like you can talk to anybody about nobody, it nobody yeah nobody gets that because like i said i've never met anybody with that's yeah. born without ovaries uterus i hear often i hear that a lot they're like oh yeah i get it they're like well yeah i guess you kind of do but I don't have... But the uterus... Okay, and so we're probably going to have to preface this episode. Yeah. Some of the guys that listen to us... They're not going to like, hear that. Yeah, I don't want to hear this one, but... <laughs> yeah. So the oh, uterus... But they need to hear it. Can I say that? Yeah, you can. Of course the, you can say that. I think they need to... I think there's a... Even men and women, like, there's this stuff that we feel like we can't talk about that's like taboo or something mm -hmm. that's and why i couldn't talk about it yes yeah. and that's the whole point of this episode so we'll preface we can preface and be like hey you know if you have small gonna, children in the room yeah just <laughs> or like if you listen with discretion is yeah. like mm -hmm. but that's this conversation right. is so needed because of the a stigma because of the stigma of a lot of kind of conversations that were taboo and I I say that generally but I don't mm -hmm. want us to get off track but here's the thing that I see not knowing not 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 being a medical professional but I'm just like you hear like you said you hear some women oh yeah I understand I was born without a uterus but they still had the hormones to sustain their body in a mm -hmm. normal growth pattern mm -hmm. but you didn't even have that so you know slowed your growth it mm -hmm. it messed with all your thought processes and everything so that's a that's a completely that's a whole nother level right there yeah mm. and i often have this conversation so i will just act it out here but um whenever and i don't want to this is something that's very con highly controversial, maybe more controversial than your modesty episode, but this is, <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong, <laughs> but this conversation, you just had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> um, but this is a conversation that happens so often and I don't want to tell people that they can't say what they need to say because not everybody knows what's going to upset somebody. So I'm not saying be afraid to ask people, but be careful when you ask people if they're having kids, especially when you can tell, okay, they're in their 30s, they've been married a while, what's the deal? Well, maybe it's none of your business. Mm. And I don't like to be harsh like that, but maybe it's not. And 
typically the conversation goes like this. Usually it's like either me or him, usually me, um, because the woman, of course, is more responsible for this for whatever reason. But, As you um, roll your eyes out loud. <laughs> <laughs> the corona. But um, usually it's like, so, either either I get, so, you pregnant yet? I actually had a lady do that to me. Mm. I Whenever I got sick with my ulcerative colitis, I dropped 30 pounds within about a month or two. And I was sick. I looked sick. I was really mm-hmm. sick, too. I looked really gangly, and my eyes were sunken in. I looked gross to me. I looked gross. Mm. And so I gained a few healthy pounds back because that's what you do when you get to eat again because I didn't eat for a while because mm-hmm. I was terrified because of the ulcers. And it, any food can trigger it. Well, it can make it worse. But um, so I gained a few pounds back like normal, and I was wearing this dress that had like an empire waist. Mm-hmm. And um, But it wasn't I, – I looked at myself in the mirror after this all happened. I was like, I don't know where she got that from. But – she asked me if I was pregnant, and I felt like the fattest, hugest person in the world at that mm. point. Not that I'm saying pregnant women are fatter, but you know. But but we but but it's true. But you, <laughs> I mean, you can't. I'm not gonna say that, but because <laughs> I can't speak to that. But um, so after that, I was I was working in our church's uh, Christian school, and I was expected to help with. Um, I think it was Carnival Sunday, and I was expected to help with that because, of course. And after she said that, that's when I was walking out to go outside to start the carnival stuff. And when she said that, I just felt, like, terrible. Mm -hmm. So I went in my car and cried for about an hour. Not because I was sad that I couldn't have children, because, like I said, I never had the gifting for it or, the, the, I guess, the call to do it. But I just felt terrible. Like, because I couldn't and because... The way she said that, I was like, how can you say that to somebody mm. and just be so rude about it? I thought it was rude. But and how many years ago was this? This was just last year. The year must have been the year before that. Mm. So, yeah, I um, it hurt me pretty bad because I'm thinking, I don't think I look that bad. <laughs> but, mm. yeah, that it bothered me. But typically that's how it goes. They'll ask you, you know, oh, are you, are you pregnant? And they'll do the little hand motion. Or they'll say, oh, when are y'all having kids? And then it depends on who it is. And if I feel like having that conversation, I'll say, well, you know, I can't. Or I can't say I don't want to because that gets me in trouble, especially in the IFP. Because mm-hmm. they're like, how could you not? But usually they'll say, oh, well, what do you mean you can't? You know, God can work miracles. I'm like, of course he can. But in my case... It would be very, very, very a medical anomaly, and it would probably require a lot of uh, bed rest and hospitalization, and I've already got enough health problems going on as it is. And so I'm like, well, of course, yeah, of course, I don't deny that, but I really can't. And then sometimes I get into it, sometimes I don't. And if I do, then the go-to statement is, well, you could always do like a surrogate. And I'm like, yeah, but it wouldn't be my child, technically, and I'm not going to put another person through that just Mm -hmm. for that when especially when I don't think I would be a very good mother because I don't have that mental the hormones the instinct yeah Yeah. sure and yeah yeah. because because it is a you know I don't know what the research says I'm sure you've done a lot of research but the physiological aspect that desire and all of that Mm -hmm. you know I, I would think that that would be 
somewhat absent. It's very yeah. difficult. And it's it's not that I hate kids or anything. I'm just kind of like, okay. So it's almost like they're trying to solve a problem for you. Yeah. Like, yes. because to them, it's a big deal. So they're like, their brain is just like, well, this is what I would do. Which, you have no idea what you do. <laughs> you, the general you. Mm-hmm. Like, right. we, we speak to things because we think, oh, yeah, this is what I would do. But we have mm-hmm. no... But I didn't ask. <laughs> but I didn't ask. I did not ask your opinion. And I'm okay with it. And I do mm-hmm. have to get to that because the next thing they say right after that is, well, you can adopt. And I'm like, well, and I usually I have a funny retort for this. I'm like, well, I wouldn't want to ruin some poor child's life mm-hmm. with my bad parenting. Mm-hmm. I usually try to joke it off because otherwise it's either going to turn into a long conversation that I don't want to have or they're just going to think I'm... I don't know. They're just going to think there's something wrong with me just because I don't have that desire. Something you said to us uh, when you told us your story originally, you said uh, that children's ministry isn't where you feel called either. And mm-hmm. can you talk about that a little bit? Because there is, especially in fundamentalism or mm-hmm. really super conservative um, churches where the women that is their calling. Like mm-hmm. you just assume that that's what they're. Yeah. And do you want to speak yeah. to that Sam? Yeah. I, I got a lot of strange looks whenever, especially because when you're an IFB, you don't, you don't volunteer, you get voluntold. So <laughs> <laughs> every time I would switch churches for whatever reason, the nursery person was the person like the nursery director or whatever was the person I tried to avoid like the plague. <laughs> Because I think they hated me the most (laughs) because they're like, well, why don't you? And I'm like, okay, but I'm not going to name any names. I won't do that. But there was one church I was in and there was this woman who could have children and claimed she didn't want them and would always try to pass off her nursery duties on other people, particularly single women. And I never understood that. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was unfair. I'm like, okay, but you have like three kids in there shouldn't you I mean you're probably going to be with them anyway and they're your kids wouldn't you want to be in there I mean if I had a a kid in there and I had the instinct and the desire for it I would want to be in there with my own child once in a while to make sure Mm -hmm. things are up to par and doing good in there but she never wanted to and I thought man that's really weird and then she confided and opened up to me and a friend and said that she never wanted children I was like wow that's that's so sad your poor kids and I'm thinking, it's tough. And you want to me to do that, and you want me to do that to a, a kid whenever I don't necessarily want to have them either. Not that I hate them, I just don't feel that it's my calling. And actually, my coworker, I told her the other day that I was coming on the podcast, and she was just surprised and excited. And she said, "What are you talking about?" And I told her, and she said, "Well, you know, I think that." Um, I don't know if she's necessarily a Christian, but she did say, I think that there's a higher power that put you on this earth for something. Not necessarily to have kids, but you have your other things that are your things that you do. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she's actually my, temporarily, right now she's my supervisor, and she was teaching me my brand new job that I'm about to start. And she's like, this can be your thing. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, the I'm the collection development manager at the library, basically making sure we have the books we need and putting them in the system so people can find them. She said, this can be your thing because you do this full time 
and you're good at it and you research books and you know what you're doing, you do this stuff outside of work anyway, that can mm. be your thing. Or I have three cats that I do have them in sync with them, but because they're animals and they can take <laughs> care of themselves because they're cats and most of the time they're like, leave me alone. But And you do have a husband. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I do have him. I love that she spoke that over you though. Like, yes, let's... Sorry, I'll say untwist the narrative. Let's Mm -hmm. untwist this that you have to have this specific. We're going to put this in a box and say this is what a woman's calling has to look like. Mm -hmm. And it should involve children or it should involve a husband or it should involve children's ministry or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that she spoke that over you. There's plenty of other things I can do, but couldn't. Like my husband used to do the sound booth in our IFB church and he rarely gets sick lucky and uh, one Sunday he was and I had watched him do the sound booth so many times I knew where what buttons to push and what mics to turn up so some of the um, other men that worked in the sound booth they're like oh he's not here this morning um, do you want me to do it I was like I can do it and they were all like shocked like are you sure I said I've watched him do it a thousand times it can't be that hard and it wasn't I actually <laughs> there was no problem except for one of the sound or one of the people in the microphone forgot to turn it on that was not my fault <laughs> I maintain that that was their fault but other than that they didn't have any complaints and they didn't even notice any difference that I was doing it and I'm like see a woman can do it <laughs> sometimes I did the camera cuz they had like a, a camera up uh, in the balcony by the sound booth I did that sometimes but quietly because if I didn't, they'd be like, oh, well, we can get brother so-and-so up there to do it. I'm like, I can push a button. I can move a camera. It's not hard. Hmm. So I, there's other things I try to find to do. But a lot of times, you know, they were kind of like, oh, well, why are you doing that? You know, brother so-and-so can do it. And I'm like, well, so can sister so-and-so here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yes. I got a lot of that. Yeah. but I know that. Your story is um, different. Uh, you know, I know when you first, we first connected about it, it's different and difficult to even share your story because of the stigma that you have felt mm-hmm. over the years of, you know, not being able to have children and all that. I, I want to push back a little bit with you because just because I think that um, if you felt led to have children to adopt, because we know physically mm-hmm. that you would, you would know that. And then if that were the case, if you felt that you would be a great mom because of what you walked through as not that you're called to that. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, I want you to see mm-hmm. your own self-worth mm-hmm. because of what you walked through as a child, because you saw what your dad did to your mom because of the strength that you saw your mom have because of the fact that you are this genuine and transparent and willing to tell your story and willing to push back on those people who are trying to push a different mm-hmm. narrative on you because they don't know what you've walked through. They don't know, you know, what mm-hmm. it's like to be 16 years old and sitting in a doctor's office and saying, you don't have any ovaries. You, you will not have children, you know, and then to walk through thinking that no man's ever going to want me because I am, yeah, I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not a complete woman. Yeah. And so 
I'm just saying you have so much more to give. I'm glad that you're a librarian. I know mm-hmm. that, that God's opened that door. You were telling me about your mm-hmm. new job and all that. That's awesome. But I want to tell you, you in and of yourself, just you, not April the librarian or April the this or the that or the volunteer at church, but you just in sitting with here, your spirit and what you have to give and what you walked through and the fact that you're still walking with Jesus is amazing to me. So know that and know your worth and know that whatever God calls you to do, you're going to be great at it. And sometimes I've had close friends that have never been able to have children or whatnot. And sometimes they end up having lots of sons and daughters that they've discipled and poured into that didn't necessarily mm-hmm. live with them. Yeah. And I, I've, I just feel like in this, during this time, you have so much to give because of your story. And so we can have lots of family members that never came from our household. Right. I do. um, I think this is an unofficial thing that I've never really proclaimed, but I guess because of what I watch my mom walk through whenever I see a friend of mine, especially particularly women with a guy that I know is terrible, Mm. I'm super defensive and I'm the first one to be like, nope. I'm not God, but no, I I know how he is. <laughs> see, see, right in that moment, you're already a mama bear. <laughs> oh, seriously. I genuinely have a gentle spirit and a kind spirit, and yet a strong woman, and that's that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing, April. I would love to know how did you meet James? Because. It makes me mad that that message was internalized that because you could not have kids or because you this or that, you were less valuable. So how did you meet him? So um, I actually can thank the IFB for something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That one thing, no. Um, Well, it turns out that um, I made my journey um, almost in a circle because I was born and raised in North Carolina. And then I went to the wonderful, glorious Hal's Anderson. Graduated from there. Oh. Mm. Yeah. That, that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, <laughs> Interview part two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I uh, finished there. And this was like in the early or the late 2000s, like 2011s when I finished. Um, so this was during like a bad recession with the economy. And I worked at the telemarketing job there. <laughs> I still have nightmares about that, by the way. Um, I really do. Um, but uh, So then I went to Iowa to uh, college up there, um, Marvin Smith, um, Harvest Baptist Bible College. Um, and then I graduated with my master's there. And then I was up there in Iowa, and I was living with uh, three roommates. Um, and we were just kind of, we felt stuck. And this is when we, all of us, started questioning the IFB, actually, because of some of the things we experienced there in the college, but I won't get into that. Um, so we decided, you know, it's time to leave here. We're all at dead-end jobs. We're in a church that pretty much everybody ignores us um, because there was a rumor going around that we got kicked out of college when we, in fact, had graduated. Um, not sure. Whoa. Yeah. The college students weren't allowed to come to our house either. But I guess maybe because we had our diplomas hanging up on the wall, maybe. 
<laughs> that would prove it wrong. Um, so then we were just, we were sick of Iowa. It's really boring up there. I'm sorry if you live there, but I was bored. Maybe there's cool things there that I don't know about. But the town I lived in was supremely boring. It was far, a couple hours from Des Moines, which was where all the fun stuff was. So, um, but we were just like, well, where do we go next? And so I'm actually going to call somebody out in a good way. Um, I got on a Hal Anderson like, Facebook page and I said, hey, is there anybody that has any churches hiring for Christian schools? Because one of my roommates had a teaching degree. The other one had a general degree and I had a graphic design degree and I thought maybe I could use that for something. Mm -hmm. And uh, our other roommate was getting married and staying in Iowa, so we left her there. <laughs> we abandoned her. <laughs> She's got her husband. She's happy. But uh, anyway, so we decided, well, let's let's get on here and see what we can find. Well, then um, Katie, um, oh, Katie, uh, her maiden name is Richie. She's in the RFP group. Hi, Katie. Um, she's a walker now. Uh, she actually oh, yeah. mentioned the church that we ended up in. Um, she's like, hey, contact so-and-so at this church and the, the school, and they'll, you know, talk to you about it. I don't know that we ever contacted them, though. I think we just came down to that church and decided to visit. And we kind of felt like that's where we needed to go. And so a couple months later, we just went ahead and moved down to Arkansas. And um, I've lived there for seven years now, almost. And that's uh, actually... <laughs> My husband's in the room with me, so I'm going to look at him a lot. <laughs> but we were... Um, we were there visiting for the first time in like June or July and I was looking across the room across the church and I saw him and it was in the summertime so most of the college students were not there and I saw him and I like I saw how he was like smiling like he's doing right now <laughs> and I said oh he looks like he would be a super nice guy and well he is spoiler alert um, so when we moved down to Arkansas, um, he was in my Sunday school class cause it was all like age based and, uh, found out that he was the same age as me, but in college because he took a couple years off before college. And, uh, then we just kind of would always do the IFB thing of smiling and making eye babies at each other after Sunday school. <laughs> I love that you said that. Oh, I went there. <laughs> So we were kind of doing that for a while. We were just like looking at each other and smiling and saying hi once in a while. And then, trying to remember, um, it was the day before, no, it was Easter. Um, I went to uh, the church early for a Sunday night service. And there was a bunch of college students in the fellowship hall that's connected to the church. And they were all just kind of hanging out in there before church. And um, one of my friends there, um, I'll name her first name. Her name is Rachel. Um, she plays a violin, and my friend that was my roommate brought her, uh, what is it called, ukulele, and I brought my flute. We were going to have a little jam session back there, and uh, I sat down beside somebody's stuff, not knowing whose it was. I thought it was my friend Rachel's uh, stuff. Well, then in walks James, my husband, not at the time, obviously. And he walks in and sits well, down. I mean, you guys were making eye babies. So. Yes, we were. Very flirtatious. <laughs> but um, he walked in, and sure enough, his stuff was right next to me. So he sat down, and we started talking. And then 
right before church started, he asked me if he could get my number so we could text. And then it all just kind of snowballed from there. And uh-huh. we went through all the, uh, how's Anderson people, you'll get this, all the stages of the relationship, the whole, um, I got your number, I like you, will you be my girlfriend, I love you, engagement stages that are mentioned in a book <laughs> by a man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So we went through all that. I'm sorry. All I can think of right now is, hey, I just met you. This is crazy. But here's my number. So call me, maybe. That's what that whole thing is reminding me of. Oh, my gosh. It's kind of accurate. But that's how we met. And then I think, um, I'm going to have to fact check this. Um, we were already dating whenever... I told you. Um, no. I yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. Um, we were dating at that point. We were boyfriend and girlfriend, and we had not dropped the love bomb yet. And it was a couple months into it, and I thought, you know, I really need to tell him this because it's only fair for him to know that, hey, I'm not having any kids. Or you're not going to carry on your bloodline. Sorry, it ends with us. But um, so I was like, okay, well. I guess I need to tell him, and of course, you know, being IFB, we had to have like 40 chaperones, and we were at McDonald's of all places, and I told him, I just, I just out and out told him, I was like, mm. well, I need to tell you this, you need to know this, and um, still to this day, he says that that's when he knew that he loved me, because he was so amazed that I would just share something like that with him, mm. so important, and so about a couple Weeks later, we ended up saying I love you at a pizza place. <laughs> Just with 40 chaperones. Yeah, of course. Wow. So that's how we met. And then about a year later, got engaged and married in our IFB church. So we'll have mm-hmm. to renew those vows elsewhere, though. That's my friend. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been married? Uh, four years. Mm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that's your awesome. story. I do, too. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that because, again, going back to your transparency mm-hmm. and your vulnerability, just being candid is what was the turning point for him to know for sure. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love this girl yeah. because he loved you for you, mm-hmm. not because of what could be here or there. Just, just you. That's what he. That's what he always says. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Good job, James. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not crying over here. Oh, <laughs> well, that's right. You said he's so emotional. He's an yes. emotional one. I'm not I'm crying. It. You're crying. <laughs> Your virtual ninjas followed us. Chopping <laughs> <laughs> onions. Right. Thank you for sharing, April. I, I know that this is going to help us untwist some narratives and remember to see people for their value of who they are that your husband exemplifies and that you embody like because we all need that there's there's stereotypes that we immediately assume the minute you hear things and I I love that your story helps us bust those wide open Mm -hmm. and I appreciate you for just living out you and I know people may have felt may have made you feel like you had to apologize for exactly who God made you to be. 
But I love that you don't apologize for exactly who God has made you to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have one last question. Because we have to keep this tradition going. I want to know if you have a dad joke to share with us. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I will I'll give my husband credit for this. It was kind of a joint effort. But uh, what do you call a church that recently had their IFB pastor leave? Glutton free. Glutton free. Exactly. <laughs> Did you hear what they said? Uh-uh. Like a six-year-old and twelve-year-old. I should open the door and say, "Guys, we're trying to record a podcast here. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Do it." you guys they're probably like freaked out you thought it was you thought it was the people we'd already met yes me too <laughs> we were gonna mess with them now they probably think oh it was, well ashley was there too she okay her head out. <laughs> okay three two one so i would love to know how you met james because it makes me <laughs> okay guys she was actually being serious. serious. <laughs> I was kidding about the making fun of you part. I was not kidding about the recording part. I'm glad you're having fun because we have a lot of fun. We gotta have a blooper out mm-hmm. of this somewhere. Yes. Sure, I think that there's where you're there's yelling at him in the hallway. <laughs> Three, two, one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.